So years ago, I hear about this British lady who was very confused about how contacts work. Much in the way I'm sure she's confused about, you know, orthodontia. But, sorry, just got dark over England from all the shade. But, Our negative one British listeners are very upset with us right I now. I know. We're, we're huge in England, apparently. So I've checked the numbers. We actually have one listener in Brazil. Okay. So if our Brazilian listener is Como still listening, vai, cow. Yeah, thank you for listening in Brazil. A huge fan base in Brazil. But this British lady was very confused about contacts. She kept putting contacts in her eye without removing the old one. <laughs> to the point where they had to remove like 27 contacts from one eye or something like that. And then Anthony is explaining some story to me about contacts. And I was like, oh, you know what? He's like, yeah, he did that same research. So Anthony went down this weird rabbit hole. And I want you to tell the people about it. Yeah, so, so I came across this story that David was talking about. She had 28 contacts in one eye. 17 were on the actual eyeball. And 10 were, or uh, 11 were attached to the eyelid. Uh, that sounds terrible. How like, did you not, how did you not realize? Like, I get a grain of sand in my eye and I'm down for a week. Well, not even that. Just like, when you if, you've, if you have both contacts and glasses and you've ever put your glasses on while you're wearing contacts, you know right away... Something's wrong, yeah, right? Yeah, it messes with the prescription. It, it's like, yeah. yeah. So yeah. imagine whatever your prescription is times 28. <laughs> like, I would I would think even more than the irritability, like not being able to see might might cue you that that something's wrong, right? That, that you've messed up somehow. Or your eye, you need to go in and get it checked. Well, she went years and years without getting it checked. Anyways, so I, I was looking at that story, and you know at the bottom of news stories, it's like, Related stories, or yeah. you know, read more. There's another one, a more recent one, of a a woman going into also in Britain. Apparently, we need some kind of public public announcement, public service announcement yeah, about think, how to wear a, contacts. Yeah, we need a full on outreach program. A, a lady recently experienced uh, some discomfort in in her one of her eyes. And uh, doctors couldn't really figure it out. There was some swelling. They thought maybe it was a cyst. Well, when they actually got in there, they, again, found a contact. Uh, but this contact hadn't been in there, you know, a month or a year. Oh, that's good. 28 years. What? Her contact was in there 28 years. How was this, how was this happening to multiple people in that country? Apparently, when she was a teenager, she had got, like, hit in the face or something and thought the contact fall, fell out. When really just attached to the eyelid, and there it stayed. And so, okay, so I have these two stories about people having things in their body that shouldn't have been there that long. Uh, at least those were things that, like, were supposed to be in their eyes at one point. Right, like the purpose of a contact is to be on your eyeball, improving your vision. So it makes sense that, yeah, yeah, okay. And so I made the mistake of things that shouldn't be in your body. Oh, no. <laughs> I googled that phrase. No. And, um. No. Well, I, people are just weird, and uh, there are lots of interesting things that should not be in your body. So I, I, I made a little list of things that I, I came across, and I'll just mention a few of them. Wait, wait uh, where, where's the list? Uh, well, I've, I've made the list. That's not a small list. No, and I, I'll skip some of them, but uh, a guy had in India had a lighter in his stomach for uh, 20 years. What? Yeah, apparently he, uh, he had swallowed it and thought... Uh, oh no, but never did anything about it. This too shall pass. <laughs> well done. Uh, some boy somewhere, I don't know, had a snail in his elbow. Not really sure how that happens. So it was a snail bow? Okay, we're going to keep doing this. Uh, a Buzz Lightyear action figure. To infinity and beyond. Mm. A little too, okay. Yeah. 
cutlery. Got I mean, for that one. Okay. Uh, really? uh, in, in someone's uh, stomach? In someone's stomach. So, I mean, like, yeah. <laughs> so you're getting a little who, too aggressive with your pudding, and too, oh, in goes the spoon? A little too aggressive. Uh, who among us, David, has not swallowed one or two forks in their lifetime? Me. Have you swallowed a fork? Ha- who among us has not inhaled a straw? <laughs> I mean, if you've ever had a chocolate milkshake from In-N-Out, right? You sometimes you have to get be pretty aggressive with that suck, and sometimes things can lodge. Yeah, yeah, okay. no, I, I, yeah, that I get. But I mean, it, okay. And maybe the the scariest one I read about was a live grenade being uh, lodged in someone's abdomen. No way. No, okay, now, you, okay. Lodge, for, lodge is very different from ingested. Didn't yeah, it? yeah. So luckily, this person did not eat a live grenade. Yeah, I was gonna say. Well. It was actually a soldier, and um, I couldn't imagine the situation. But a a grenade was fired at his his unit, and it hit him in the abdomen and stuck there. It didn't explode, so he had a live grenade in his stomach, and so they had to go to a team of doctors and uh, a bomb experts. Uh, to have this removed, I mean, could you imagine walking up to the you know, to two doctors, two surgeons? You're you're the two most qualified surgeons. We need one of you to get in there and operate and remove this live bomb. <laughs> one guy's like, "Oh yeah, it's actually my lunch break. I, sh- I should have started my lunch break 20 minutes ago." <laughs> yeah. So you got this, Doctor Smith. I'm out. Yeah, it was. I'm sure it was the most intense game of rock paper scissors ever, right? <laughs> uh, but I, apparently they got it out. The guy lived and has an awesome story to tell forever. And so just thinking about this, you know, I, I think the rule of thumb is that if it's in a grocery store and it's made of organic material, it's probably okay to be in your body. Could you run that by me again? If it's inorganic, like, say, plastic or metal or otherwise hurts to chew, um, probably not in your body. Good to know. Just a general rule of thumb. I think you left out my favorite, the rolled up Donny Osmond poster. We're going to skip that one. But I didn't. I just brought it up. This is Subjectively Correct Sports, the only podcast, uh, at least in Dallas, probably Texas, maybe the United States, Western Hemisphere, the world. Yep. Our uh, our galaxy, solar system, our galaxy. Why stop there? I mean, um, the, the rovers on Mars have stopped transmitting, so I think we're the voice for all this stuff now. Yeah, for everything, the only only podcast ever that featuring a couple of guys talking about sports, sometimes other things like what you should and shouldn't eat or otherwise uh, put into your body. Don't eat Donny Osmond posters. Correct. I know it's tempting, but don't. I'm Anthony. This guy sitting next to me, you can't see him, I can. Why are you pointing at me right now? <laughs> this is the second week in a row you pointed at me. Most of my work on this show is handwork, David. And that's not good for the audience. Uh, this is David. You can find the show on iTunes, Google Play. You can also find it on YouTube if you really want to, but we prefer you do it the other ways. And subscribe, leave a review, preferably a good one. And you can also check us out on our website, www.subjectivelycorrect.com um, Twitter at subcorrect email subjectivelycorrect at gmail.com I think that's it. I think that was a perfect intro. I'm sorry I wasn't listening. But it went well? Yeah, oh, it was perfect. Yeah, oh, it was great. great. Glad to hear that. No need to ever do an intro again. So you're, I'm going to be the edit, like I'm going to be the intro guy I think we just reuse that.
just reuse what you just did. Mm-hmm. It was that good. Yeah. So like I said, I have to, I'm going to put a lot of trust in you if we do that because I wasn't listening. Yeah. I really wasn't paying attention either. Wow. That's impressive. Okay. So David, this was an awesome week for sports. Yeah. Uh, and, and maybe the biggest thing from the weekend was we usually bury this into like segment three of our show. It's time for sneaky good golfer of the week. All right. Yeah. I love the sneaky good golfer of the week. Okay. But we have a problem, David. What's the problem? Our sneaky good golfer of the week. He's not sneaky. Well, why don't you tell the people his name first? Because some people might not oh, know what's going on. Because there was a lot of football going on. That's true. And this is during football, so maybe they don't know who won. So, so yeah. who is the sneaky good golfer well, of the week? Okay, so I I pay a lot of attention to golf, so I know who he is. You may not have heard of him. His name's Eldrick Taunt. Where's he from? I think one parent was like from Asia. The other one, you know, born here in the states. But um, oh, sorry, I forgot it. Eldrick Taunt Woods, uh, better known as Tiger Woods. Maybe you heard of him. Yeah, I've heard of Tiger. Tiger Woods. Tiger Woods is back. Yes, he is. Yes, he is. Well, he's he's been, he's played well all season. He just yeah. hasn't won, right? He hasn't mm-hmm. won a tournament. But yeah. he won his 80th tournament over the weekend. 80th. Uh, that's right. He run. He won the final tournament of the FedEx Cup. I heard an interesting stat. He has as many tour wins over the last five years as Dustin Johnson. Oh. And he hasn't played three of those years. <laughs> and he has one win. <laughs> Oh, the last, no, no, for the last five years. I, oh, wait. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The last that time... makes that stat even better. That I would, it was a better stat than I thought. Yeah. So, I, I, Sunday was a busy day, and I didn't really catch much or any of the final round. But the first thing when I got home uh, from, from a busy day was I asked, <laughs> I saw Tiger Woods on the TV, and I said, did he win? And he won, right? I mean, right now, I don't know if there is a more must-see athlete in sports, right? Can you think of anyone who, if they're playing and they're in contention, that you would tune, you would stop what you're doing and, and tune in to watch? Honestly, no. At this point in the sports universe, like right now, football season, there's no basketball season, baseball season in full swing. I guess the only thing that would be must-see TV, like Tiger on the prowl and Tiger about to win that I can think of was like when the home run races were going on, when Barry Bonds was yeah. about to break the records. And I remember being a kid and watching, I watched like home run from home run 60 to home run 70 of Mark McGuire's record breaking season. And I made sure I was there to watch all of it. Right. Yeah. But I can't think of anything like that when Tiger and I'm not a huge golf fan. Like I I'm aware of golf and I know most of the golfers and stuff like that by name, at least I, I couldn't pick Brooks Kepka out of a crowd. If you put a gun to my head, you know what, what I mean? about Xander Shafuffle? Whatever that guy's name was. Do you mean? Oh no, no, I can't think. Xander, what? No, Bo, Bo, uh, Bo Rochambeau, Bo De Deschambeau, Deschambeau, Bryson Deschambeau. Yeah, but I wasn't talking about him. But oh. yeah, yeah, he's a guy too. <laughs> anyway, you're good at this. Now I don't remember what I was saying. Back to you. No, no, I, I think, you know, I don't think we're really blowing this out of proportion because if you think about it. Uh, there were three times more viewers for this round of the, the this final round of the last tournament of the FedEx Cup compared to last year, right? And the only difference is that Tiger's in contention. Yeah, and right? Tiger's going to do that. Every time he's in contention on Sunday, we've seen it time and time again. We're going to continue to see it. He is going to double, triple ratings. It's what's going to happen. In fact, this was the most watched round of golf 
the sorry, the third most watched round of golf this golf season, only behind the final round of the Masters and the final round of the PGA Championship. And you know what those two didn't have that this Sunday did have? What? NFL football games. Oh, it's true. Those those other two final rounds were in spring and summer. And so, you know, there wasn't a whole lot going on sports wise on a Sunday afternoon. You had the you had football all day Sunday. And so to to have such a good rating during an NFL Sunday, I think it's really a testament to, to Tiger's draw. Yeah, and you didn't see you weren't watching the end of the tournament. I was watching and it was it was old vintage Tiger stuff where like he's trying to walk down the fairway and follow his tee shot on eighteen and there's a swarm of people behind him. It looked chaotic. It looked crazy. It looked like people following Taylor Swift. It looked like tween girls following Taylor <laughs> Swift down the street. You know, and it was yeah. nuts. And it got to the point where, like, it showed the camera angle switched. And it was just like a sea of people by the green. And I thought they were just doing a crowd shot. But then all of a sudden, Rory McIlroy, like, comes out from, like, through some people, like, <laughs> out, out of nowhere, like, shaking his head, like, I can't believe this is happening. And then Tiger Woods emerges a second later. It was crazy. It was packed. And golf felt important again. Because Tiger Woods was there and Tiger Woods was winning. And yeah. golf hadn't felt this like this in a long time. Even when Spieth was coming up and winning tournaments and we're like, oh, a new young dynamic golfer. This is so exciting. It hasn't felt this way. But now it feels like a national story again yeah. because Tiger Woods. I'm sorry, Eldrick Woods. And, and he'll, be, he'll be favored in every major tournament next year. And that's, that's, that's really the missing piece to this story is for him to win a major. And if he does, I think it's the greatest comeback story in the history of sports at least American sports that I'm aware of. I I can't think of anyone else who had such a big fall from grace, w- did not perform well for yeah. such a long period of time. We're talking five years since his last win. And that's important. That's an important key to the story is his, his performance dropped off so dramatically that he couldn't even finish tournaments and he was missing cuts. Mm-hmm. Had health issues, obviously the personal problems, um, but he, it seems like he's healthy now. It seems like his personal life is, is, is going okay. It's not a distraction anymore. And so if he can finally put it all together for four rounds during a major and win, uh, I mean, yeah, greatest, greatest sports comeback uh, that, I, that I can think of. Yeah, it, it's incredible. And we have uh, a brother-in-law, Cody. Shout out Cody Law. He uh, used to play golf all the time. He worked in the golf industry for a long time. Now I think he just kind of watches as other people make money for him while they work in the <laughs> golf industry for him or something. I just don't know what he does. He has a new job. I don't know what he does. My brother, Adam, I think he's a firefighter now. Is that what he does? He fights fires in Utah now? I don't know what he does. We asked him what he does. He still doesn't know what he does. (laughs) I want to get in in that game, whatever that is. Hey, Dave, what do you do? I don't know. A check comes. (laughs) I don't know. But he had the same surgery. He works very hard. Yeah, sure. (laughs) He had had the same uh, surgery as that Tiger did. Yeah. And that was years ago. And I don't think he's picked up a club since. Yeah. So to see that someone who loved golf and worked in the golf industry like our brother-in-law Cody to go from not being able to play at all and to see Tiger go through the same thing but then win tournaments against the best players in the world, I agree. It's one of the most amazing comeback stories in the history of sports for sure. And if he wins a major and if he becomes the leader in major victories all time. Oh, wow. Yeah. Can you imagine that? Yeah. Well, so, uh, so stay tuned for more Eldrick Taunt Woods news, your sneaky good golfer of the week. Yeah. He'll probably be the sneaky good golfer of the season. One of the reasons that this was an amazing sports week and an amazing sports weekend was we saw something that is so rare and so amazingly unfathomable. I mean, Mm. it's hard for me to put this into words. 
Okay, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna try my best. Right, right. Yeah, it's it's, it's very difficult for me. Okay, this is very difficult okay. for me. So you didn't choose to stumble through this part. Like, explain the unexplicable. Okay, let me get started on this. And then Anthony's not helping with his derision over here. Okay, I had to talk about foreign objects being lodged into the human body. That's been going on. I can't for... think of a subject more re- revolting to me. Well, I worked at a I worked in an ER for a while, so everything you were saying was just kind of like, yeah, okay. Been <laughs> we, there, done that. Yeah, we had a we had a drawer at the hospital where they kept stuff. All right, David. So what is what has caused such a major okay, okay, disruption okay. in your life? Okay, or okay. Impacted yes, you? this is something that we definitely need to talk about. And so behind the Tiger Woods story, this is like biggest news story of the week, month, year, okay. um, decade. Uh-huh. Kawhi Leonard spoke. Okay, that's not the super surprising part. That's enough to shock the world. Yeah. That's enough to shock the world. He laughed. <laughs> Wait, like, like was it like a nervous laugh or no? Like... No, like legitimately, he thought something he had said or done was funny, <laughs> and then he laughed. Was it funny? Well, <laughs> humor is subjective. Yeah. The important thing here is Kawhi can laugh. Okay. Oh, no, I was surprised that he could speak. And then he goes off the top rope and laughs, too. I was like, what is going on here? Yeah. I wouldn't have believed it until I saw the clips. I thought it was like an onion piece, you know, when someone said, hey, Kawhi was laughing at a press conference. Like, no, he wasn't. Good good try, troll. Yeah. Okay, so I I actually did did watch this clip of of him in in this press conference. And yes, he spoke. Why do you say that like I didn't see it? I saw the clip, too. Don't come at me like, oh, I actually saw no, it. No, because I, I was like acting surprised when you were talking. Oh, gotcha. See, I didn't pick up on that. You're not a very good actor. Wow. You're so defensive right now. I don't know. I feel attacked a little bit. I don't know. The rest of the show is going to be bad. <laughs> but no, so I, I watched the clip, and even though he does talk and laughs, he doesn't even really say anything. You know what he says? Like, he was asked to describe himself, and he said, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm a fun guy, and... I don't know. I can't really describe myself. Like, that's what he said. That was the most... <laughs> that was the best thing he could have said. Of all the things, like, the dream scenario, the best writers in the world could have come up with. Like, if you get the writers from Seinfeld and The Simpsons and the, oh, the best TV shows in the history of the world, SNL, you get them together. Like, okay, what is Kawhi going to say? That's they, they couldn't come up with anything better. Because there's nothing more to say. No one knows him. <laughs> no one knows anything about him. He doesn't even know anything about himself. Like, describe yourself. I can't. He wakes up and plays basketball and goes to sleep, and it's rinse and repeat. I mean, I don't know that he really does much else. Also, the laugh, that was not a human laugh. <laughs> <laughs> what, I mean, like a robot laugh? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, a robot or... Some other mythical creature. I don't know, but like it didn't sound. It sounded wrong. <laughs> like, like, like I could tell it was a laugh, but it it didn't make. You know, you hear a laugh, it makes you kind of want to laugh. Like you want to join in the laugh. Sure. It made me uh, kind of recoil. <laughs> like a laugh you hear from a serial killer in the movies. <laughs> yes, it it just sounded unnatural. Maybe because he's never done it before. Maybe that was his first try. That was his first laugh. He's like, you know what? I'm almost 30. I got to give this a try. I know a perfect time to do it. I'm in a new town and no one knows me. This is a, a clean slate. You know how like you go off to college and you're like, no yeah. one knows me. I get to remake myself. I'm going to start I'm... wearing a fedora. <laughs> <laughs> this is Kawhi Leonard's fedora. <laughs> his fedora phase is him laughing. Okay. I, I never went through a fedora phase. Did you? 
no. I contemplated it for about 10 seconds. You, <laughs> that's a long time to <laughs> contemplate a fedora face. I stared at one in a store. I may have even actually handled it. It never went on the head. but Okay, yeah. Well, that's, yeah. A, that's an important distinction because we almost became not friends. Mm-hmm. So this was fun. And uh, there's some other NBA, NBA stuff going on, too. There's big contract news just recently, and you yeah, brought that Ka- up to me. Carl Anthony Towns got paid five years, $190 million. Woo! Yeah, he's going to be laughing when he checks his bank account. Word. I it's I mean, probably going to sound a little happier than Kawhi's laugh, though. I, I would hope so. Yeah. What else? J- Jimmy Butler. So, same team. Carl Anthony Towns is on the Timberwolves. Jimmy Butler's requested a trade. Seems like his coach wants... Wants to try and convince him to stay. He's only got one year left on his contract. He doesn't want to be there. Doesn't want to be playing with these young kids who he thinks, uh, you know, don't work hard, don't play defense. Um, he's requested a trade to, uh, amazingly, one of the Los Angeles Clippers. Huh? L.A. New York Knicks. Huh? New York. And the Brooklyn Nets. What? I thought he was, uh, I thought the Heat were in that conversation, too. Uh, maybe maybe that's been added since I last saw right. But But, like... Teams that are in no way, shape, or form like close to competing. Well, it sounds like he's going for a destination. He doesn't care yeah. about basketball. It, it doesn't sound like a basketball decision at this point. It sounds like a lifestyle choice. Like if, if your choices are, are L.A., New York, Miami, those kind of cities, you're making a lifestyle choice. You're not making a basketball choice at this point. Yeah. Right? And with one year on his contract, I mean, so many stars are doing this now. The NBA star, this is the move. You have one year left on your contract, and you tell them, I'm leaving. Yeah. And so either trade me now to where I want to go, or I'm just going to go there anyway. Yeah. Do you think, like, I, I think I, I think this movement of, like, the player empowerment and, the you know, they're deciding their career, uh, destina- their destinations and who they're going to team up with or not team up with, um, do you think it's ultimately good for the sport? Like, I initially I was like, this is exciting. Super teams are fun. And especially when they're coming to your team, it's fun, right? If yeah, you're, it's fun if for you're, you now because you have LeBron coming yeah, and stuff. Yeah, if you're a Warriors fan, if you're a Heat fan, like you, Celtics, whatever, you've kind of benefited from from this this super team era and, and superstars wanting to play together. Um, but I wonder about like the fans in Minnesota, right? Like they have two legitimate superstars and a bunch of young guys, and it, like it would be fun to see how this team uh, turns out over the next few years. But their biggest superstar doesn't want to be there anymore and there's nothing the team can really do about it yeah and I've, I've thought about this quite a bit and i think sports is one of the few times where we will always choose the ownership like in my job if they if they told me hey dave you could go to a job where you live in a nicer place make the same money or more money be with people you want to be with and work with you want to be with in a city you want to be in and your job will be easier and I say, no, that's okay. I'm going to stay here and, and just work through with these people I'm working with now. People are like, that's ridiculous. Go get that better job in a better place with better money and better people, right? Mm-hmm. But then an athlete does that and we're like, he's soft. He's disloyal. You know what I mean? It's just weird how we always... Well, yeah. Because no one's a fan of you in your job, right? Well, <laughs> I think <laughs> I, mean... I think some people would disagree with that, okay? I have fans. <laughs> I don't have... Okay, maybe the people you directly work with, maybe your students, maybe your 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 family, right? They're they're fans of you as a teacher, but like no one's rooting for you as like except for America. Okay, well, okay. Let me let me shift it to me. Okay, 
I don't. I don't like that. But go ahead. <laughs> I, it's, you're either attacking me or lifting yourself up. So go ahead. Go ahead. Let's hear. Let's hear how you're gonna talk about yourself like, now. Other other than my family and my coworkers and the company I currently work for, no one is invested in my success. In my, at work, right? Well, your job is though, because the more successful you yeah. are, the more successful your company is, right? No, that's right. Yeah, that's what I said. Yeah, my my job. They're they're okay. Yeah, they're invested in my success, but like, there's not a group of people, some outsiders observing my career, saying, you know, cheering when I d- I do well on a transaction, and like going on message boards and defending me when I do poorly, <laughs> right? Well, I think, and I think this is yeah, but I think it's so interesting. Like, I think I have an interesting perspective on this because. When it comes to basketball especially, I'm not a huge fan of a particular team, right? Like, my fandom shifts depending on the players I like at the time. And LeBron's my favorite player ever. So when LeBron goes to a new city, I don't care. It doesn't rip my heart out because LeBron's still LeBron and I can follow LeBron, right? And I think, that's a, that, I think that's why my perspective on this is a little different from the normal NBA fan. Because I'm more of a fan of the players themselves and I, ca- I keep like my fandom tucked away until like it's convenient. Like when the Jazz are playing well, I suddenly become a Jazz fan, I guess, because I remember watching Stockton Malone growing up as a kid and they were the closest NBA team to us. Yeah. And so I'm kind of like a closet Jazz fan. And so when they do well, I'm excited. When they lose, I guess I'm just like, okay, that's a bummer. And, and the Jazz are players. The Jazz are a perfect example of this. A small market team that doesn't recruit very many high-profile free agents. Um, they have to draft their superstars and hope to retain them. You saw, uh, like, uh, Darren Williams, who forced his way out. Uh, Paul Millsap, Al Jefferson, yeah, Gordon Hayward. The days of, of Stockton and Malone, where you stayed with the team for, you know, a decade and a half, they're gone. And so it's, it's hard, I think, on the fans to get invested in the players, right? You can stay invested in the team, but to become invested in the players, knowing there's there's a shot clock on them, right? There's a there's a countdown to when they're uh, they're able to leave, right? Gordon Hayward, right? I mean, that probably I, not not being a Jazz fan, I don't know what that felt like, but I, you know, my team's lost superstars over the years, and it, it doesn't feel great, right? And you feel like the the player should have loyalty to the team because that's who you have loyal, loyalty to. But I, I totally agree with you that you know if I'm in their position, I'm going to do what's best for me. Yeah. Um and. Yeah, that's it's it's unfortunate for the fans, but ultimately it's the, it's the players' choice. And if they if the teams want to retain these players, you have to make an environment where they they couldn't envision leaving, right? Whether that's through coaching staff, um, the salaries. I mean, there's only so much you can do with the with the salary cap, um, or you know the players you bring in. So. Or even like environment, like the yeah. Miami Heat, that the, the idea of the heat culture, they take guys that are out of shape and that don't work as hard or play great defense or whatever, and they turn them with this heat culture. And Udonis Haslam, they, he's playing, he's still playing, he's still on the team, more as like a culture guy, like this is how a Miami Heat player works mm-hmm. and this is how we work out, this is how we do things in the training, uh, I mean in the film room and stuff. And so like culture, like with the Heat or with the Patriots, these or the Spurs, these uh, I guess even those teams are losing players. Yeah. I don't know. It's it, This is a really interesting situation because I, I cannot uh, even fathom being in a position where my skill set is in such high demand that I have billion dollar, like corporations <laughs> worth billions of dollars offering to pay me tens or even hundreds of millions of dollars to do, like to take my skill set to that place yeah. and work for them. I can't imagine that situation. And, and what's, in, what's even more interesting here is that Often, when a player leaves a team, they're leaving money on the table. Like the the team that currently, the team that drafted them or that they currently play for, can almost always pay more 
than the team they're going to. That's kind of how the the salary uh, rules work, and it's one way that that small market teams can retain some of these players is because they can pay them more. But even with that advantage, they're often still losing out. Mm -hmm. And so it's not a money thing. It's a culture destination or, or other thing. Yeah. So, so these players are choosing lifestyle over the money. Cause I guess they're realizing that 22 million versus 20 million. Yeah. Isn't going to hurt them too bad. And that's, and that's their decision. $2 million is a lot of money, but they're making the choice right there. And I don't know. It's just interesting. All right, and uh, all this talk about NBA contracts and stuff leads me to uh, uh, something that I stumbled across over the week, and this is interesting. So LeBron James has a sports agent company, right? Like where he has a company where he has agents and they represent yeah. athletes, right? Clutch sports. Yes. So technically, he doesn't own it, I guess. Yeah, like he doesn't right. own he it owns technically. It under the table, yeah. right? So, but technically, technically, he does not own this company. Yeah, he can't. He can't own the company. Right, because that would be collusion, right? That would be tampering, collusion. That would be against the rules, right? It would be against the CBA, yeah. Right? So he doesn't own it, but now players like Tristan Thompson with the Cleveland Cavaliers was represented by one of LeBron James' guys. Mm -hmm. He got a ton of money in Cleveland, Mm -hmm. of course. And so now... Same thing with uh, Contavious Caldwell-Pope on the Lakers. Right. The only reason he got $17 million last year was so that the Lakers could talk to LeBron's agent. <laughs> exactly. And now, Anthony Davis is a LeBron James client. A clutch sports client, excuse me. So, everyone's now speculating. They're like, okay, AD's going to the Lakers now. And that would be kind of a big deal, right? Adding AD to <laughs> that, that would be a huge deal. AD and Kawhi. But I think, how could, how, could the league let, like, how could the league let that happen? How could they let one of the league's most powerful players... And most powerful individuals in sports. How could they let this guy own an agency that represents players? Yeah. In the league he's playing in, and that is basically getting around the rules of recruiting players. Because LeBron can't go out and recruit people like free agents and stuff like that after before a certain time. That's against the rules, right? But their agents can go and talk to him and stuff, especially if the agent is already working for them and hired for them. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So I just feel like this is a way to get around the rules, and it speaks to this way that LeBron James is like a mastermind at working the system and working this business. I mean, he's brilliant in ways other than just in basketball. Yeah, and I think he's he's bigger than the NBA. So even yeah. if there were, like even if they had evidence of, of, of some kind of violation. They won't touch that. They won't touch I, LeBron. Yeah, I, I don't think they can risk bringing down LeBron. No. Right? So... I I, uh, I really do hope there's some deep conspiracy that's going to lead to many, many superstars joining the Lakers. Yeah. I couldn't think of a, a more sinister plot that I could get behind. His cat is named Mamba. LeBron? LeBron's cat is named Mamba? Oh my gosh. Wow. So this was a, an interesting and exciting NFL weekend. Yeah. Um, so is Fitz Magic turning into Fitz Tragic? Is it that time of the season where he turns into a pumpkin? No, I've been. I watched the game last night. Okay. I watched the Fitz. I've watched the Fitz Magic, Fitz Tragic transformation a little bit. But Fitz Fizzle. Mm, Fizzle. Mm, mm. Got one more. Got one more trying you. It's Manizzle. No, I think you go. I okay. don't. No. no. I went Snoop Dogg. Uh, yeah, that wasn't good either. Anyway, and the interceptions he had, 
were largely not his fault. Like, receivers tipping the ball to the other team, that can't be on the quarterback. Still, three consecutive passes resulting in interceptions. Right? I'm sure Jets fans are watching that like, what do you expect? Like, that's exactly, <laughs> that, that is the Fitz magic. So, I guess the real Fitz magic is the disappearing act at the end. Right? But, um... Yeah. So, I, I don't think we should freak out, because he, even after those big mistakes, he played really, really well. Yeah. And uh, he let his team down, they scored again, and they were in it, right? And what blows my mind is the people that are saying, no, you have to get Jameis Winston back in there. Why? Yeah. Why? I, Fitzpatrick, even though he's not consistent, is a much better passer than Jameis Winston will ever be. And these skill guys for the Buccaneers all of a sudden look like elite skill guys mm-hmm. because they have a guy that can actually throw them the ball sometimes. So I, so I think what you're weighing, uh, you're weighing two things. One is immediate... Short-term success, meaning this this NFL season, versus the next three to ten years, right? And if you think if you think that that Winston is your quarterback for those next ten years, um, and you think that no matter how well Fitzpatrick plays, you're not getting to the Super Bowl, then I say sure, why not get Winston back in there? Fitzpatrick cannot be your quarterback of the future. He's 36, 37 years old. No, but Jameis Winston can't be either. I think we're at the point in his career, it's been enough time that he hasn't made those improvements that coming into the league he's needed to make, especially with his accuracy. He cannot be a quarterback in today's NFL with those accuracy issues. So you have a quarterback in Fitzpatrick who is playing well, a quarterback in Jameis Winston who, yes, is a high draft pick, but is not developing like he should. So why not get what you can from him? Trade, do something, but why go back to what wasn't working before when you have something that is working now and that isn't making improvements? His trajectory isn't going up. Yeah, so so your your case is closed on Winston. You think he's you can't develop anymore in the league. I think he's proven over the last couple of years that his development has really slowed yeah. down if not regressed. He cannot throw the ball accurately. Yeah, and if and if that is your opinion and 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 you're the Buccaneers, and you don't think you don't think there's anything you can do to get him into elite status as a quarterback. Then, yeah, I guess ride the Fitzpatrick wave. Yep, Keep... ride, ride the Fitzpatrick Express, man. Yeah. So it was also uh, a sad weekend I for some people. I didn't want to talk about this. So you're J- J- Jimmy Garoppolo. No. <sighs> so. I'm a 49ers fan, been a 49ers fan forever. Mm. I'm excited about Jimmy Garoppolo, young quarterback who can fit into Kyle Shanahan's system and at least be made to look good yeah. by a quarterback in a good system, right? The same way that Andy Reid can make just about any quarterback look amazing, right? And so Kyle Shanahan and Jimmy Garoppolo together, I was excited. And of course, week three, torn ACL, Jimmy Garoppolo's out for the season. Mm. And so it's not like the defense has been decimated by injuries and early retirements over the last four or five years and stuff like that. And it's not like our skill guys go other places and stuff like that. So yeah, let's just blow out the quarterback's knee too. <laughs> it was sad, man. And uh, I mean, the game wasn't over. Like the 49ers weren't playing great, but they were playing the Chiefs who just can score 50 points on anybody, it looks like. You know, Patrick Mahomes sneezes and they get 15 yards, right? Those skill guys are so good. And they were in the game. Like, they weren't out of the game. And then Garoppolo decides he wants to try to get two more inches on a play and blows his knee out in the process. It, it was just heartbreaking, man. And it just feels like being a 49ers fan is turning into what the Jets fans must feel like. <laughs> or a Browns fan. Except the Browns are on the upswing, right? Yeah, the Browns are having a better season than the <laughs> yeah. 49ers, and they have one win. Um, yeah, and the, the really unfortunate thing about all this is that 
it's a play that shouldn't have happened, right? Or the, the 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 action that led to the torn ACL shouldn't have happened. He he cut cut back towards midfield, trying to get another yard. Um, it was a stage in the game where every yard did count, but as a quarterback, as a highly compensated quarterback, your health is more important than that extra yard. Uh, your team success will will. <laughs> your your team will be much more successful with you on the field than with you off the field for the rest of the year and having gotten that extra yard, right? That extra yard in in in, in terms of their overall season doesn't matter. Um, and so it's unfortunate that he didn't just go out of bounds. That's not to say on the very next play he wouldn't have torn his ACL doing everything he should have been doing. But you always wonder the what if, like what you know, what if I made the correct play? What if I just would have went out of bounds and didn't you know? Didn't lower my shoulder and try for those extra few yards. So, uh, and the worst part of all of this, I couldn't tell you the backup quarterback for the 49ers if you gave me a million dollars. I couldn't tell you who it was. I have no idea, and I don't want to know. I'm going to put the 49ers out of my mind for the rest <laughs> of the season. Okay, the next news I want to hear is Jimmy Garoppolo looks good in training camp. That's the next bit of 49ers news I want to hear. Yeah. All right, but I do know who the backup of the Cleveland Browns is, Tyrod Taylor. <laughs> Exactly. Right? Baker Mayfield took over that job, man. And I, it's interesting when you have... It seems like these teams that don't manage the quarterback situ- situation very well, every once in a while, they just like stumble into something amazing. Mm-hmm. Like the Patriots. Right? Okay, get this Tom Brady guy. Oh, look! One of the best ever. How great was that? Yeah, Drew Bledsoe, who you think is, is your premier quarterback going to take you to a Super Bowl or take you back to a Super Bowl, uh, gets injured and all of a sudden you have this, what, sixth round draft pick? Sixth round, yeah. Sixth yep. round draft pick from Michigan who steps in and becomes the greatest quarterback of all time. Well, <laughs> most accomplished. Yeah. But again, we're, we're using team results to measure individuals and whatever. But that goes on, and then the Patriots like, oh, a great organization. It's like, well, they stumbled into Brady, right? And the Cleveland Browns have stumbled their way right into Baker Mayfield, right? Of course, they picked him high in the draft, right? Number one overall. Yeah, that's pretty high. That's as high as you can go, right? Unless, like, <laughs> n- no, there's no situation yeah. where you can, no, I'm going to stop talking now. Yeah. But they, uh, they weren't going to play him until Tyrod Taylor gets hurt. He gets a concussion. Tyrod, player, uh, Tyrod Taylor wasn't playing well to begin with. He was having a terrible game. Mm-hmm. And so they weren't putting him in. They weren't. Tyrod gets an injury that they had no control over. In goes Baker Mayfield. And they're like, oh, he had Baker Mayfield the same yeah. year. Like, if they were really great, they would have put him in there before. But anyway, so they stumbled into that one. Yeah, they, they end up winning. They were down 14 nothing. I think, when, when Mayfield comes in. They end up winning 21-17 in dramatic fashion. Um, so I guess the, the real question, though, is as, as a Cleveland sports fan, who is who's the bigger Cleveland hero? Is it LeBron or Mayfield? That's a great question. Yeah. That's one that I think will be a, a great sports debate in uh, bars, sports bars across the nation for years to come. Yeah, mostly drunken debates. Probably. I mean, are yeah. there any other sports debates that involve Baker Mayfield and LeBron yeah. James that aren't drunken debates, except for the yeah. debate on the show, apparently, which oh. is, of course, completely... <laughs> A farce, but whatever. Yeah, uh, I think it's you know it's premature to say whether or not Mayfield will have a, a decent career or even a decent next game, right? Well, and he, 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 he had he had a great game. He didn't he didn't pass for any touchdowns, right? But he got his team in position to score. And well, to, in, in true non-Browns fashion, he didn't throw a pick. That's right. So that's very un-Browns to have a quarterback throw yeah. for two hundred yards without throwing the ball to the other team once. He you, threw the ball twenty-three times, and the other team didn't catch it once. <laughs> Do you want to know the most Brownsiest statistic from this weekend? Hit me with it. The Browns had both the highest rated quarterback measured by total QBR 
and the lowest rated quarterback measured by total QBR. Yep, that's the brownsiest thing I've heard all day. That's the brownsiest thing since ending a losing streak with a tie. That's right. That's awesome. So I wonder how many times this has happened that a team in their first three games have, has gone loss, tie, win. Right? I mean, that, what, a, what a unique combination. And in that order. They're getting better every week. I don't. Next week, they're going to put up two Ws. Yeah, that's the, that's the only logical progression. They're going to win twice next week. Or they go back to a tie and then back to a loss. I would love to see that pattern just keep repeating throughout the season. Four ties in a season. That would be pretty cool. That would be sweet. So something else I saw during the during the week that I loved. So two, uh, two Dolphins players on a little shovel pass. And first of all, I don't think Ryan Tannehill should get credit for a 74-yard touchdown pass when literally all he did was catch the ball in shotgun and just like tap it forward to Albert Wilson, who uh, fans in Miami called Fast Albert. Hey, hey, hey. That's good. Fast Albert. Albert Wilson takes the ball 70, 72 yards for a touchdown on what's basically a glorified jet sweep, right? But they outran everybody on the Raiders' defense so much, and they are so much faster than them that he and uh, his teammate Jakeem Grant were high-fiving each other at like the 15-yard line. Like, we got this. And the pictures of that high-five are fantastic. <laughs> like, Barney Stinson would be proud. But it's such a great image of them running down the field, high-fiving each other on the 15-yard line because they know there's no way these scrubs are going to catch up to us. That's awesome. It's, it was a great... It's, if you haven't seen it, watch the video. It's, it's one of the coolest plays I've seen in a long time. That, that was the highlight of the Dolphins weekend. Sure. Well, uh, that and winning. And, but there was a, a pretty significant low light. The, of Dolph- their, the of Dolphins are 3-0. and Yeah. Well, they are 3-0, and but they've also lost an important piece of their defense. William Hayes, defensive lineman. So Garoppolo wasn't the only one to tear his ACL. Unfortunately, William Hayes did as well. But he did so much like uh, Garoppolo maybe shouldn't have made, made that choice to cut back in. Uh, Hayes made the unnatural decision to try... And not land on the quarterback. Okay, so here's what happened: the <laughs> the Raiders are on offense. Car drops back. Hayes rushes. He sacks him. And instead of letting his body naturally just fall on top of Derek Carr, as as physics would dictate, and you know football for the last forever mm-hmm. until like three months ago, he and if you look at the video, he plants and tries to swing his body to the side. So that he doesn't land on Derek Carr because in the back of his mind he's thinking, I just made an awesome play. I don't want to get 15 yards, right? I don't want the flag to come out. And so he unnaturally kind of swings his body around and in doing so, tears his ACL. Um, His coach was quoted as saying he was trying not to put body weight on the quarterback. His foot got caught in the ground. And and the the rule is uh, that a defender, quote, is responsible for avoiding landing on the quarterback when taking him to the ground. And obviously violation of that rule is a 15-yard roughing the passer penalty. So defensive players are asked to control. I know we've talked about this before, but they're asked to control the way they fall. Like there's no more... Like, ungraceful, vulnerable position than falling down, right? There's not much you can do. Yeah, right? once, you, once you're falling well, once down, you're... the laws of gravity. I think Isaac Newton would go to the NFL offices and be like, guys, let me explain something yeah. to you. I wrote this book a while ago, like 100, 200, 300 years ago, whatever. I lose track because yeah. I'm dead. But hundreds of years ago, I wrote this book about gravity. You should check it out. And so once you try and alter that momentum and do something unnaturally, unnatural with your body, things are going to break. Um... Dolphins, their other defensive lineman, Akeem Spence, 
he had the following quote, it sucks because he was trying to protect the quarterback while still trying to make the play. And it's a double-edged sword. What do you expect us to do? We know the rule, but we don't know the ins and outs. And then I saw Clay Matthews. He had another one yesterday. What do you want the guy to do? You got to put the guy down. How much is too much weight? What technique do you use? How do you go about it? We are still asking questions just like y'all are. Let's be honest. That's a difficult rule to gauge. And Richard Sherman followed up with this tweet. They don't care about the rest of us getting hurt long as the quarterback is safe. And I think that's what the league wants. You know, Aaron Rodgers gets hurt and the Packers lose viewership. Mm -hmm. Right? And even star defensive players like Richard Sherman, they get injured and people still watch the games because the quarterbacks are the faces of the league. They really, really are. And it's just... It sucks for these defenders that now we see an example of a defender getting seriously hurt and losing a season because he was trying to not break a 15-yard rule. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And again, like I said last week, I understand trying to protect the quarterbacks, but it's to the point now where defenders are having a hard time doing their job. I imagine uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to the video of like Khalil Mack coming around the edge, beating his defenders so bad that when he gets to the quarterback, he plants both feet and just gives him a two-arm shove <laughs> and pushes him down. But then the he impact, harnesses his chi. I mean, that's what you're gonna have to move to, right? <laughs> like no contact. But he's gonna push the quarterback so hard that it looks violent enough that he'll still get a roughing the passer call, yeah. even though with the quarterback on the ground five yards away, he's plant, both feet planted and he never left the ground. Yeah. They're still gonna find a way to penalize him. So it's it's an unfortunate rule, and the players obviously just like the fans are, are we're all scratching our heads, wondering how do you play the game of football right now? Right, and the th- the same thing happened with the the defensive pass interference rules a little while ago, and. They found ways to adjust and things like that, but I, right now it's, it'll be hard for these players to adjust because they're just trying to do their job and the quarterbacks get the ball out so quickly. They have to go full speed or they just don't do their job because they get paid. Sacks get these guys paid. Sacks, force fumbles, mm-hmm. hurries, those kind of things. If they can statistically prove that they're getting to the quarterback and disrupting the offense, they get paid more money. And now it feels like the league is kind of taking that ability away from them a little bit because they have to be tentative. Like, man, I would be really upset if I was a defender who made my money sacking a quarterback who cannot be sacked anymore or else I get fined yeah. and flagged. Poor Clay Matthews, man. So speaking of, of NFL player seasons coming to an end, uh, one NFL player tried to uh, prematurely end a season of his teammate. Well, like in practice or something? No, in the game. What? Not, like, not like practice. A, not, not, in the not game. Pra- in the game? Yeah, in, in the game. game. Not practice. Yeah. So, okay, so like they got in a fight or something, right? Like... How'd this go down? I don't... I'm trying to picture the scenario. The only thing I can think of is like a fight. Nope. So, Joe Flacco. We've heard of him. We've discussed him. Garbage. (laughs) The only reason he's a Super Bowl champion is because he had one of the best defenses of all time. For the time being, he's the starting quarterback. If he makes it the Hall of Fame, his bus should just be the Ravens defense. But he won't make it Should be Ray Lewis. Yeah, just Ray Lewis. (laughs) Ray Lewis gets two busts. Yes, that's right. Um, One for him and one for Joe Flacco. (laughs) Joe Flacco should give his his ring to to Ray Lewis. Um, so he's he's currently you know for the time being starting quarterback of of the Baltimore Ravens. Like how you threw that in. And the the man in waiting, the man in the shadows is Lamar Jackson. Super athlete, uh, can play multiple positions on the field. Really good college quarterback, and uh, projects to be a, a good NFL quarterback as well. But has to kind of bide his time while Flacco is at least still serviceable i guess okay if you want to use the word serviceable go ahead but <laughs> yeah. keep going yeah and so um so to get to get jackson some playing time sometimes they'll bring him in and, and 
in, in different um, packages, and they had him uh, lined out wide as a receiver, and uh, Flacco threw him the ball. But he didn't, you know, Jackson was open. There was a good, you know, I don't know, 8, 10-yard cushion between him and the defender. And so naturally you think Flacco would try and hit him right where he is and let (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Okay, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> the flag go hitting him. Where he is. Let, <laughs> okay. Yeah. And, and, oh. and as the defender closes, let oh. Jackson make a move, Flacco. right? Um, but oh. instead, Flacco throws the, the ball about five yards in front of Jackson, which if Jackson would have caught it, he would have immediately been leveled by the <laughs> by the defensive player. Well, yeah, he was full head of but, steam. It would have yeah. been one of those ooh hits. Yeah, and so uh, many people are theorizing that this was a not-so-subtle attempt of Joe Flacco to get rid of his backup, <laughs> which, you know, isn't actually the strangest of ideas. This, uh, David, this has been happening since the dawn of time, since pre-dawn of time. So people have been throwing footballs to try to get people injured since, like, the Greek days? Uh, basically. What? In a very Greek way, right? So, I mean, you're familiar with the god Kronos, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. He's a, the Titan, right? Okay, yeah. The Titan, yeah, whatever he is. I don't know. But, okay. So, he killed his father. Sure. Uranus. Sure. Okay. And, upon finding out that his kids were going to kill him, he decided to, as a Greek is wont to do, eat his children. To kill them before they could kill him. Right? And he was successful. He ate Demeter, Hestia, Hera, Hades, and Poseidon. Uh, but there was one god he could not eat. And which god was that? Zeus. Okay. So what does this have to do with Joe Flacco again? All I'm saying is when a dude's in power, he doesn't want to give up that power. He'll even eat his own to remain in power. Flacco will destroy his teammate to remain starting quarterback because his talent is not going to win him the job much longer. No, and one thing's for sure. If Joe Flacco were valuable enough of a quarterback, he would have just done a Tom Brady and said, get rid of this young stud. And then that young stud <laughs> would be playing in San Francisco, blowing out his knee. Yeah, he does not have that kind of clout. No. So, uh, baseball season is about to start. We're in the final week of the regular season. Right, so after this preseason, the, the last preseason week is over, we get to the MLB season, and I'm super excited for it. Playoff baseball is super exciting. Uh, July baseball is super, you just kind of hope your fantasy team does well. Why do I stay up till 1 in the morning to watch the Dodgers in July? I know, sometimes I get like a tweet from you, or like a, I get a text from you, like something about the Dodgers at, at like 1 in the morning, and I'm like, what are you doing? It's Tuesday. Ugh. <laughs> <sighs> So, but but David, okay, you're you're right. The real season doesn't start until October, but we've got a fun six days ahead of us. Yeah, I know there are a lot of close races. I mean, the AL's wrapped up, right? You got the Yankees and the the Red Sox. Have, I mean, yeah. all, all the divisions are wrapped up, and it looks like the Yankees and the Athletics are the wild card teams, and that's all that's, set up, right? But the NL looks like it's going to be pretty exciting. Yeah, the the only thing decided so far in the National League is that the the Braves have won the NL East and the Cubs have won NL Central. Um, the Brewers and Cardinals are in the two wild card uh, position right now, but but only a, a half a game ahead of the Rockies, and the Rockies are only a game and a half behind the Dodgers for the NL West. So 
three of those four teams are going to make the playoffs. Dodgers, Brewers, Cardinals, Rockies. Brewers look like the biggest lock because they've got like a three-game lead over everyone else for the wild card. Dodgers look like uh, they're in good position, but the Rockies are on like a four-game winning streak, and they're playing the rest of their, their schedule is against teams who have already been eliminated. So it's not outside the realm of possibility that they win out or at least, you know, because you're saying they might play their young guys and play their prospects that's for the right. last couple of weeks of the season. Because what do they have to win? Nothing. That, that's exactly right. Yeah. Um, and so the and the and the Dodgers have their their series with the Diamondbacks, who aren't going to give them um, a free pass. And then they they close out against the Giants, who again don't want to see don't want to help the Dodgers into the postseason. Right. So so we'll see how this all shakes out. Next week we'll know where everyone stands. And in fact, next week I think we'll be. Uh, if we record a week from today, we'll be on the eve of, of, of playoff baseball. So That'll be exciting. When we know who's playing who, we can look at pitching matchups and stuff like that. That'll be exciting. I'm excited for the baseball season to start. Yeah, and so what's happening this week is if, you, if, you're, if your team's already in the playoffs, the managers are setting their rotation so that their, their aces are pitching game one of their series and uh, they get their pitching rotation all lined up. Um, and they're having to decide who who makes the postseason roster and who doesn't, which is uh, not always a hard decision for some teams. But and I hate to always bring it back to Dodgers, but they're just who I follow. The Dodgers have 30 guys who could be on the postseason roster, but they have to cut it to, to 25. And so those are those are really tough decisions that these managers have to make. And a lot of it depends on who they're going to play. And I think a lot of teams are going to opt for relief pitchers because relief pitchers have been used so heavily these days. So the players like the Dodgers, who have a lot of these position players that can platoon a bunch of positions, that's great for them because they can kind of pick and choose who has the best bat because they can play any position. And then they they stock up on those relievers because the relief pitching uh, in the league today is super important. Yeah, the game, the game has been reduced, and especially in the postseason, to 27 outs. Right? How can you get 27 outs? Not which pitcher can get you the can go longest in the game. It's how do I get these 27 outs? And if I need to use eight pitchers to get those 27 outs, if I need to bring in a pitcher for one batter, that's what I'm going to do. And so that can make playoff baseball kind of tedious to watch as a fan. But I mean, if you're really invested in the team, you're willing to to wait through those delays because you're invested in the team, right? So while while the casual fan might think that's tedious and boring, uh, the the real super fans. That doesn't bother them at all. They just understand that that's just part of the playoff baseball. Mm-hmm. So if you've been sleeping through this this baseball season and haven't taken much of an interest, now's the time to get excited. Pick a team that's in the in in the postseason and root for them and get your heart broken. Yeah, the Dodger way. The Dodger way. Hey, when I was four, we won. Nice. Uh, I was three and change. I was three and like uh, six sevenths. Oh, so so your Dodgers fandom looks a lot like my 49ers fandom. Yeah, one of my very first memories, uh, sports memories, is the is the '88 World Series, and I don't think I actually watched it, but I remember the excitement around it. I was three, almost four, and I remember the the flags and the pins and all that stuff and the memorabilia. I remember it being a really exciting time. Um, yeah, how old were you when the 49ers last when the, won? When the 49ers won, I was like six. Yeah. So it was like 94, 95 season. And that's one of my first sports memories is being yeah. excited that the team I wanted to win won. And like seeing Jerry Rice and Steve Young hugging, that's like burned into my mind. Like hugging on the field and winning the Super Bowl. Yeah. You know what I mean? And that's, so. and that's what makes a lifelong fan out of you, right? I yeah. mean, that's like I, could, I can't imagine ever rooting for another baseball team. Like, I, you know, I, I, the Rangers, I live in Dallas now. It's like, yeah, if they, if they do well, I'll be happy for them, especially since they're not a National League team. But um, 
I, I can't imagine ever rooting for another team, just like I couldn't remember, imagine ever rooting for another basketball team other than the Lakers. So those uh, is when your team does well when you're a kid. I think, I think that that's what makes the best, that's what makes the most loyal sports fans, right? Yeah, that's when that's when you become a fan for life. Yeah, it doesn't explain Cubs fans or Red Sox fans, but whatever. You gotta screw loose. Yeah, it must. All right, I think it's time. I think it's time for everyone's favorite minute of the week. It's David's hot take minute. All right. So this might be a little bit more than a minute, though. Okay, I, I'm not going to keep track. Okay, that's good. I'll, right. I'll stop you when I get bored. All right. <laughs> okay, this is going to last long. All right, here we go. Are you, Mark? Get set. Hot take minute. I used to think Anthony's Dodger fandom was annoying at times. Now we get a full-on Lakers fan, Anthony. I'm not ready for this. Maybe the Dodgers playoff run will help me be prepared for the tsunami that I'm going to try to live through every day of the basketball season, but let's wait and see. Earl Thomas and Antonio Brown skipped practice and had big, huge games. I'm not going to go to more faculty meetings or trainings. Forget them. The Fitzmagic train was derailed by things outside of his control. Let the man play. He's a better passer than Jameis Winston by a lot. But you know, the real Fitzmagic is that he always looks like he's dropping the ball horizontally instead of throwing it, right? I'm always surprised when the ball arrives at its target because it looks so much slower than other balls thrown by other quarterbacks in the league. Something's going on there. We need Ted Wells. Where's Ted Wells? Seriously, where's that guy? Where'd he go? He disappeared. For him to come back, the NBA needs to have some scandal where the rims are bent on the visitor's basket during Warriors games, and they'll call Ted Wells, who will take years to tell us that the rims may or may not have been outside the acceptable parameters established by the NBA. Then we will all freak out and call Steph and the rest of the Warriors cheaters for years. Rimgate. Basketgate. Splashgate. Currygate. Kerrgate. Claygate. Kevingate. Iguodalagate. Colgate. By the way, this all ends with Swaggy P taking the fall for the team. Swaggy Gate. Being a 49ers fan hasn't been fun in a long time. Then came Jimmy Garoppolo and Kyle Shanahan. Then went Jimmy Garoppolo's knee. And with it, my hopes for a decent season. The NFL is confusing. The Browns won. The Lions beat the Patriots. The Dolphins are 3-0. I could go on. I'm just going to say what every NFL announcer, commentator, reporter, and insider is thinking inside their heads. We have no clue what we're watching. None. Even John Gruden doesn't know what he's watching. Just ask Khalil Mack. Philadelphia Flyers mascot Gritty is Justin Turner and Snuffleupagus from Sesame Street's Love Child. We need a DNA test now. Speaking of DNA testing, Lonzo Ball looks exactly like young Bartolo Colon. Ted Wells, forget everything I said before. This is the story of your career. Now, let's get out of here. Solo is out on Blu-ray and I have a date with my wife and my favorite modified Karelian YT-1300 freighter. <laughs> Woo! Well done, well done, David. Enjoyed that hot take minute. I do have one follow up. Gritty. What? A, yeah, gritty. Okay, gritty. The new Philadelphia Flyers mascot. He's taking over the internet. He's taking over Twitter. He's. It's hard to take your eyes off gritty if you've not seen him. Just go, like it's hard to take your eyes off of a car wreck. That's right. If you've not seen him, Google him. I saw a video today. He was uh, he was shooting the uh, the t-shirt cannon into the into the crowd. It's been a bad week for mascots with t-shirt cannons, by the way. <laughs> and uh, and I don't know what the staffer must have said to him. Maybe nothing. Maybe he just looked at Gritty the wrong way. But Gritty turned the cannon 
on this poor Philadelphia Flyer staffer and oh, started no. shooting shirts at him. Oh, no. He actually hit him and knocked oh, no. the guy over. No, okay, you do not t-shirt cannon a guy unless he done something serious. I bet there's something going on with Gritty and his girlfriend or his wife. We should look into that. Yeah, well, maybe. I mean, this staffer must have... That, that's, Gritty, there's something foul going on there. In Gritty's short history, he has proved to be somewhat aggressive. He did tweet <laughs> He did tweet the, the Pittsburgh Penguins mascot and told him to sleep with one eye open. <laughs> Gritty's straight out of a horror novel, but also really, really fun to watch. And I'm rooting for him. I'm not rooting for the Flyers. Never. What? I don't care about hockey. If I did, just, I wouldn't root for the Flyers. You're just voting. You're just rooting for but Gritty. But I'm rooting for Gritty. Like, <laughs> give me more Gritty. It's like if Stephen. It's like if Stephen King were writing comedy all of a sudden. It's Stephen King and Jim Henson got together and decided to make the most nightmarish Muppet of all time. Every once in a while, Anthony, you just need like a few words or a short phrase to sell one of these crazy news stories to me. And this week is an example of that. You just told me two words and I was like, yes, use that one. I know nothing about the story except for these two words you told me. Cocaine bananas. Go. Yeah. Okay. So uh, everyone knows that there are, you know, drugs in prisons and things that like prisoners shouldn't have and... Sometimes you have to get creative with how you get these products into the prison. Sometimes you, as we were talking about in our very in our in our intro, you have to uh, put them in your body, right, and access them later. Um, very well said. Yeah. Sometimes, however, you can try to just donate them. All right. Donate your drugs to the prison system. That's right. Okay. So, the the Texas Department of Criminal Justice said that 45 boxes of bananas from uh, Ports of America in Freeport, Texas, were donated to the Wayne Scott Unit, a prison about 32 miles north, uh, due to the fruit being already ripe. So, this fruit's ripe, it doesn't have enough time to get to the store, so, hey, there's a prison nearby, let's just donate the bananas to the prison. How nice, right? Oh, what a, yeah, what a philanthropic company. (laughs) But a corrections officer, and this guy deserves his, like, own TV show, right? He, uh, they were unloading the boxes, and he said, quote, they discovered that, quote, something was not quite right, all right? Continuing the quote, one of the boxes felt different than the others. They snipped the straps, pulled free the box, and opened it up inside, opened it up inside under a bundle of bananas, he found another bundle inside that question mark what appeared to be a white powdery substance (gasps) so they tested it and found that it was cocaine and not just a little bit of cocaine there were 540 packages of the of the substance which on the street and this isn't a story. I don't just know the street value of cocaine i saw you doing some math before (laughs) this wasn't the math you were doing the street value of this cocaine was seventeen million eight hundred and twenty thousand dollars? Whoa! That's a rear load of cocaine. <laughs> that's a whole bunch. That's a Donkey Kong sized banana of cocaine. Yes, it is. <laughs> I just had like a, if Donkey Kong and Scarface got together, this is what you would have. This is Scarface and Donkey Kong coming together for a prison movie. So, but this isn't the first occurrence of cocaine bananas, David. You get at, no. Okay. No. This is a thing. No way. Cocaine bananas is a thing. So last year in Spain, 
Uh, <laughs> there were 57 fake bananas that had been smuggled into the country from South America. In 2015, in Berlin, authorities found 850 pounds of cocaine that was smuggled inside banana boxes on, on, uh, on their way to several grocery stores. All right? So, I, I hate to tell it to you, crime lords, all, all the crime syndicates listening to our podcast right now, get a new thing. We're on to the bananas, okay? Right. Well, apparently we're not because they keep doing it. The banana boat has sailed, <laughs> right? And I'm not talking about LeBron James, Chris Paul, and the rest of the gang. Get a new thing, right? But no more bananas, no more cocaine bananas. Although, I, I think it is quite comical. I wouldn't mind reading another story or two about the cocaine bananas. Yeah. What... I guess if we had to think, like, what would be the best fruit to smuggle in drugs? Coconut. Perfect. Not that I've thought about it very much. <laughs> you answered that very quickly. I promise I have no idea why that came to mind so quickly, but I just feel like it would be perfect for smuggling stuff. Yeah. So, criminals, little tip, think outside the banana box and, and look to the coconut. 